I would ask you the question, does it help to feel scared? If you're holding the hand of a kid and you're saying, we're going to go down this really dark alley, but, you know, don't be scared. You inspire and you you go in there as like, an, you're going to conquer it. How do you think about the future at a time when the future feels so uncertain? In this episode of Far Away So Close, a podcast dedicated to considering the anxieties and opportunities emerging in the arts in our new COVID-19 world, we're considering how artists are thinking about the future. And for this episode, we spoke with Cyrus Tang and Lucy McRae. While Cyrus and Lucy have quite different practices, Cyrus looks at how loss and nostalgia can lead us to imagine new futures, and Lucy's art considers the ways in which technology is transforming our bodies and biology, I wanted to know how each of them were thinking and feeling about what comes next. While Cyrus and I talk about her work and the ideas of loss, transformation and the future, our conversation first started with Cyrus's experience of having migrated from Hong Kong over 15 years ago. I think you might aware that a lot of my work is really related to memory and how to capture the loss and disappearance. And it's partly because of my journey and I moved to Australia and which is uh, one year after my father passed away. And I think is that triggered me a lot. And not talking about, I really thinking about, I want to move to Australia. At that time, I just want to find a place I want to leave. And then so that I can start a new life. And so I never really think about, I'm going to settle down in this place. But funny thing about the COVID-19, and then I got a lot of time to just really sit down to think about my situation. And I guess it's because of the social isolation and then I don't have a lot of time to catch up with friends. And then I must say in the last 20 years, and then I pretty much I don't have a lot of time really think about, am I really love this country or I want to go back to Hong Kong or move to another country? I guess it's because I have a little bit more time and then I start to walk every morning and I think about and I look about everything around my area And I start to think about how fortunate I'm living in this place. And I can see so spacious everywhere and I can see the sky. And because in Hong Kong, we hardly see the sky because it's all the high rise. And and everything made me feel that I start to connect in Melbourne. It's really weird. And then I start to talk to more with my neighbor, which is I never really have a chance or have the time to really pay attention to all this. And then I guess it's because of the lockdown and then we all slow down and then we all do a lot of different things. And then in the past, I never really stay in my neighborhood. And now I start to stay a lot, of, spend a lot of time in my neighborhood and I talk to my neighbor and then I walk around in my neighborhood every single morning. And so, and I start to enjoy a little bit more time in this place. And it's interesting because even though your art practice deals so much with loss, it sounds as if at the moment that despite all the loss that does come with COVID and the loss that a lot of people are feeling right now, that you've been even making an effort to find what can be gained from the moment. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm so, so sad about all the loss because I've finished since the COVID-19 and then I'm one 
like other a lot of people, and then we observe the news every single day. And I'm checking about all my friends overseas, and then because all my family is in Hong Kong, and then I contact my family pretty much like every day, and then to see how things is going. And then I got the chance to、uh, I start to thinking about all my、um, primary school friends, and then I start to contact with them, which is I never really think、uh, pay attention to all this. I guess it's because the loss of life and make me don't take things for granted. So and then I find out I got a good, very good relationship with my family, and which is I never really expect about this. And then we talk a little bit more, and then we laugh a little bit more than before. So I think this is something that I gained. And so I guess on the other side of that gain is a sense of loss and disappearance, and they're both ongoing themes in your work. And obviously, loss is something that's experienced all of the time, both for people personally and then collectively. But I wonder, with COVID nineteen, do you think that's going to reorient our sense of how we perceive loss? Yeah, I think my work is always about loss in the Eastern philosophy. And the loss is not really like a loss. It's a little bit like a transformation. It just transformation from one state to another state. So this is how I see it. And then even though I deal with a lot of history and the loss, I always keep on thinking about、um, because of the history, so that we can perceive about future. And so this is I always see my work in this way. Before that, and then、um, my my idea is a little bit like my whole childhood memory in Hong Kong, and partly because of the protests, and it make me feel like I want to echo my old place and compare with where I live now, and then what is the difference because of the conflict nineteen, because of all this loss. About life and all over the world, and then I just trigger about right now at the moment in Australia, and so um I start to collect all the photograph and all the images, and then that I got from the internet or that I took every day every time I go out for a walk or I collect from my family, and I, I start to build up that archive and then to produce that. New period of time, and then for me, and the COVID nineteen is triggered quite a lot, because the first of my memory is the SARS in two thousand and three, and that is the same years I moved to Australia, and that is the first trigger. I was very fortunate, and once I moved to Australia, two months after the outbreak in SARS, and then all my family, all my friend, and in in Hong Kong is devastated. And in that period of time, so I I walk out from that disaster, and then ten years after, and then、um, that coming back again, and I just keep on thinking about actually when when the time we go through about the whole history, is every now and then, and then we have that invisible enemy and attacking us, and then how much we remember about all this crisis and. So and I just really want to remember that period of time, and then hopefully, and then we won't forget when the time we move on. Yeah, and just to pick up on something you said on on the idea of loss actually being a time in a space of transformation. Yes, yes. In a way, I guess that makes you know any sense of loss is is kind of orientated towards the future in a way. Have you been thinking about the future a lot at the moment, or is it hard to conceive of the future right now? At this stage, to be honest, it's quite hard to perceive the future because every single day is changing. But I guess we do need to have that hope, and then to 
move on with the future. And I know that in the past in your work, you've also looked at the idea of, of loss in the future as opening up a space for activism and opening up a space to imagine new futures. And I think that's, you know, a, a lot of people are sort of talking about that as something that could really come of COVID. Do you have a sense that that could be possible? Yes. Yeah. And uh, I keep on thinking about actually human being is really strong. And then when we think about our history go through in the past hundred years, we deal with the crisis and then we, yeah, and then we move on. We always manage to move on, even though when you think about a few weeks ago, and then we all stay at home. And then, um, to be honest, I'm a little bit depressed and I'm panicking and I'm worried. And then I don't, I don't even want to step out the house. And then for the first week. And so now, actually, I'm, I'm feel a little bit more comfortable. And then I walk out the house and then I start to do things. And then I believe other people is the same. And because my day job is working in the aged care industry, and then I deal with people in their old age, and then they are talking about the end of the life. And they, they are positive about the situation. They don't plan about 20 years' time, but they plan about um, maybe in the coming few months what they're planning to do. And then I guess we are talking about future. Is They are talking about at least a lot of different stage, and I'm still thinking about there is a hopeful for the future. It is all depending on how we perceive the future in what sense? In a creative sense, if your work often, you know, uses loss to look toward the future, does does that make it hard to create right now if the future does feel so uncertain? Mm, yes or no. Because when the time I make work and I don't really thinking about, oh, how I'm going to see the future, I always thinking about the future is all depending on how people to interpret. And most of my words, like my book, I burning the book. And then when the time I burn the book, and then I don't really, I want the people, once you see the burned book, and then you will think about the history. And then hopefully they will going to think about because of the history and then how you as a human being, how you create a future. And this is how I see it. And then most of my work is really related to the memory. And my new work is mainly about this period of time. And then because I really want to record the whole period of time, because I, I'm thinking about it's really important for us to remember. And so that um, everyone will going to make that little bit of ourselves and then to create a better future. I guess as as a person and as an artist, does that leave you ultimately feeling anxious about the future or hopeful or a bit of both? I think it's a little bit of both. And so sometimes um, no matter what it is, and uncertainty is always a little bit anxious. This is also one thing I really enjoy making art. Whenever I think about a new idea, and then I get myself into that kind of really anxious stage because of all this uncertainty. You don't know what is coming out the next. And then suddenly you lost the confidence and then you just need to working on this situation. And so I think it's, sometimes it's good to have that kind of anxiety so that we can be a bit more alert. And then um, so that we got that kind of resilience to deal with uncertainty. 
And I guess is maybe in Australia we are kind of quite comfortable compared with a lot of other country. And so, but to be honest, and nowadays, and then、um, life can be a bit more unpredictable, and we don't know what is coming up around the corner. And then we can go out, and then we 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 have.、Uh, Car accidents, and that's it. And life sometimes is full of unpredictable changes. I guess it's particular to COVID nineteen, and then make everyone, including me, and aware about this. And I think everyone need to sit on this kind of uncertainty and a little bit anxious about things. And then in the meantime, and then carry with that kind of anxiety, and then to move on. And sometimes I I I don't take anxiety as negative. I I just always thinking about everyone need to be that kind of a little bit anxious so that we can alert and then to don't take things for granted. Cyrus had given such a personal insight into how she was feeling about the future. Yet, since we often couple technology with how we imagine the future, I've been thinking a lot about Lucy McRae, whose practice represents possibilities of our bodies and technology. With everything being so uncertain right now, where was that trajectory heading next? So I called Lucy, and since she's currently based in Los Angeles, living in a country that's been heavily affected by coronavirus, I first wanted to know how things were feeling in LA. It's seventy-nine and sunny. You know, when you look outside, it's it's calm. There's more people than ever walking their dogs or running. But I, I think that you know, a really good way to describe it is that it's kind of like a perfect storm. <laughs> Everyone's stuck inside.、Um, there's a global pandemic. There's a kind of potential revolution rendering in the background, and the opportunity that comes out of hitting rock bottom, despite the discomfort and the suffering, is a really great way to create change and and transformation. And I live ten minutes from downtown. So it really depends on what day do you ask what what does it feel like in LA because I've experienced helicopters flying over in fleets, not just one or two, but like many many fireworks, tear gas, you know. But it's not that sensation at the moment. It seems really peaceful. So. I think that, like everywhere in the world, it's it's really it comes back to how we react, how we how we are individually kind of reacting to the situation. And there's a lot in there that I want to unpack. But before we go any further, you're known as a science fiction artist and a body architect, and I was wondering if you could just first talk through what those labels mean. It's a, a fabricated name that allows me to tap into film, photography, installation, science, biology. But what I really consider myself, or the work that I do, is that I'm an interpreter.、Um, my job is about sensing the fringes of culture and understanding what is happening there, and then turning that, manifesting that into visual. Stories, scientific what ifs. 
Through your work, it's so clear that you know so much about the ways in which technology can transform the human body and human biology. And the way you so poetically weave that knowledge into your art is just, it's really tremendous. But is your sense of these possibilities, have they been changing in the last four to five months under COVID? I'm eternally optimistic about the potential of humanity, the way that restrictions and limitations forces us to become creative. And I think that we are these isolated islands living at home and it has become a battle of the mind where we're confronted with ourselves. And I think that unpacking the idea of the future is is about resilience and what I have always dealt with and what we are all dealing with right now is how to how to cultivate or sit with uncertainty. Every single person is a forecaster right now. We're all independently unpacking the future and we just don't know. So it's for me it's about human resilience, this collective consciousness and and our rhythms of consciousness are, are, are being changed, forced to change, whether it's small things working from home and how can you turn your living room into a, you know, optimal working place or larger things like the pandemic. And I think that, you know, it's the mind that is this gateway and change only happens when we're confronted with obstacles. And it makes me think about something that you you said sort of at the very beginning that when you reach a, a type of rock bottom that's when a lot of opportunities start to emerge that maybe you hadn't thought about before. Are there any kind of opportunities specifically that you're imagining when you say that? I think that it's, for me, it's like the opportunity for everybody to confront themselves. And actually, whether you like it or not, you're having to do that. So this opportunity is is an opportunity for everybody to really... You know, somebody said to me, Mother Nature sent us home to our rooms to have a look at what we've done. And that was a quote that was shared right at the beginning of the pandemic. So I don't think it's my role to provide solutions or say, this is what the opportunity is. This is what the future is. It's more about asking questions. I think that's, (laughs) yeah, it's about asking questions and being okay, uncomfortable or comfortable with not knowing. Do you have you had moments where the uncertainty has just felt overwhelmingly stressful or has made you feel really anxious? Suffering. Suffering is the first thing that comes to my mind. Yes. <laughs> In capitals. <laughs> and I don't think that that is intrinsic to me. I think it's, you know, everybody is at different times of the day, the month, the week continue to to suffer on on different scales but you know (laughs) through through suffering is the only way that you can transform so I think that we will be a more resilient world after this and and what what is after this anyway I think we are we're, we're in training does that feel strange to you though when so much of your art focuses on the future and then right now the future just does feel so uncertain? I was really in complete disarray when this this happened because for the last six years my work has all been about isolation and touch and then suddenly it wasn't a speculation, it was a reality 
and actually you're you're the first person who I'm kind of speaking publicly because I've not wanted to I've not actually had anything to say because I've been trying to work out how to respond and how I feel about it and I and I I would say I still don't have that answer but I'm okay with saying that I don't know and I don't have any answers and that we're all you know whether we like it or not having to live with this discomfort and and some of us in much more concentrated levels than others depending on where you are in the world. So does that make it hard when you're creating work right now and going into the studio? Uh, Yes our whole pipeline has radically changed We are running two projects at the moment. One is a a show in Amsterdam that opens at the end of August, which is a work that was originally commissioned by Science Gallery Melbourne. And the other project is going to to Switzerland the day after the opening of, of Amsterdam. And so buying materials from the fashion district when everything was closed felt like we were, you know, trying to buy drugs. It was it was like an undercover exercise. And it's, it's been really challenging, but I think that you'll see in both works the tension, the, the anxiety, and both works are really very tactile, which is kind of not what we're allowed to do. We're told that we're not allowed to touch at the moment, and so maybe that has made the works even more squishy, even more cushioned, particularly with the biometric mirror, because I think that during moments of you know, anxiety and suffering, you try and find comfort. And so these kind of cushions and and it's very, it's sort of like domesticating um, technology. It's a a series of three shrines where they're sort of temples of technology. So I think that both of these works really reflect how we've had to adapt and change whilst making work in a pandemic, which none of us have done before. (laughs) No. And I think it's interesting because also I feel like COVID has really highlighted just how fallible our bodies are and how, like you say, like things like touch, uh, which are so normal to us, suddenly feel, it, it feels stressful. Like you think about what you can and can't touch and how your body sort of moves in space now. Do you think the future will be about addressing these fallibilities? Mm. I I think that our weaknesses are what set us apart and you know I've I've sort of been asking the question for about two or three years what makes us human so I think that our mistakes our failures our vulnerabilities are precisely what makes us human so I think that it's really interesting that we are physically facing that speculative question prior we were asking that question because of technology because of genetic engineering what makes us human when you can design the body from scratch and edit an embryo before it's even been born. And now here we are talking about the weakness of our, of our body now. And so we've been thrown, flung into this extreme experience, but it's only through extreme experiences that we become more resilient. And one of the works at the NGV was the Institute of Isolation, which was about how to train the mind or body to become more resilient, particularly when it's about, we, we may exit Earth and colonise new planets. So I think that we are becoming stronger and perhaps we don't know that just yet. With your past work having focused on touch and isolation and the body, 
Did it make you feel in any way at all prepared for what has happened or did it still, I guess, shock you like it shocked the rest of us? I was completely unprepared. <laughs> totally unprepared. I, I was like a rabbit in the headlights. And, I, yeah, and, and it took me a long time to, you know, if the opposite of unprepared is prepared. And, and my work is about preparing the body for the future. <laughs> so it was very strange. It is very strange. Do you think going forward from here then do you, will the work have to change to encompass things like a global pandemic? How do you mean? Well, I guess if your work is about the body and the future and has always been filled with utopian possibility and it's often so exciting, I feel like this place of possibility is where so many of us imagine the future of biology and technology. But now it just feels almost kind of pragmatic and survivalist, just in the sense that we want to be able to touch people and touch things. And I guess what I'm asking is, has the excitement now been taken out of the future? <laughs> in, at the end of 2019, I did a project called the Future Survival Kit, and the, the protagonist was a post-apocalyptic Sherpa. And it was this character who was carrying everything on their back who had fled the city and was sort of like setting up in a, in a nondescript place. And the new work that I'm making in Basel is called The Solitary Survival Raft. So it's interesting that you've talked about <laughs> survival. And I think, you know, what is exciting is this kind of renaissance of the DIY survival concept. And it sort of opens up the world to maybe this concept of, of having to be less of an expert and just more of a doer and maker, like roll up your sleeves and let's just attempt that. I think that biology and technology are givens now and maybe have been for, for a very long time. You know, I wonder whether there needs to be another theme. You know, you said art, biology, technology, is it, is it the human condition? Is it the self? I think the body has always been really central central to my work. I do think that anything that is birthed or made when there are restrictions means that you have to be so much more creative. So would that be the case in, in science and technology? Are we going to have this kind of burst of creativity because we are also restricted right now? And I think that that kind of you know, going back to the beginning, like that restriction and hitting rock bottom will inform, you know, how we move ahead and where we put our focus. So it seems like overall you feel pretty optimistic about the future? I would ask you the question, does it help to feel scared? If you're holding the hand of a kid and you're saying, we're going to go down this really dark alley, but, you know... <laughs> don't be scared, you inspire and you you go in there as like an, uh, you're going to conquer it as an explorer, as an, an, you know, courage. And I just, I personally, um, my process is about discomfort, uncertainty, unknown. So it's not that I'm, you know, having a great time while making the work, but optimism is for me, is, is, a, is one way to approach innovation and the future. 
This was something that Cyrus talked about too, that on the one hand we have to sit with anxiety and uncertainty, but we also need optimism and action. Sometimes I, I found it out um, action can make a lot of difference. And then it's like a dance. And then you can sit and then you can be anxious and then not doing anything. And however, and then um, or you can keep moving on every day. And then suddenly you find it out things is um, can get a bit better. And then your mood can um, get a little bit better. And so sometimes the mood, your head space and then all your heart together with your action um, is working together um, like a dancing. It's all depending on you work from your head space or you work from your heart or you work from your action. And I believe that's not once if you find it out, oh, you got stuck. Why not you just working on something? It can be anything. And then it will, I'm pretty sure that it will change your headspace. And then, and then it will change how you feel things and change how you see things. And that's it for this third edition of Far Away So Close. You can listen back to our first episode with Yvette Coppersmith and Alexi Glass Cantor on Solitude, and our second episode with Ty Snaith and Ross Coulter on Parenting. And you can also keep up to date with new Art Guide podcast episodes via iTunes and Spotify and through Art Guide Australia online.